they pretty much were like, well, she has an eating disorder. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't think I'm like overweight. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're not like you're not trying to manipulate your body. But that's the thing about eating disorders is that that's one tiny thing about them. It's like barely the surface. What's up, guys? This is Shelby and welcome to Not Your Regular Coach Podcast. Hello, everyone. I have a very interesting treat today. So our guest is Claire Pazzani, who I met in EMT class in college. And I was a sophomore in college and you were a freshman. Yeah. And we haven't talked in like since then, like 12 years. Yeah, over a decade. And then she found me on TikTok and added me. And I was like, oh, shit, like I remember her. And so then I added her. And then we just realized like how incredibly much that we have had in common over 10 years. So hi, Claire, if you want to just give like a little quick, you don't have to give your whole life story, but just like a little quick thing of like who you are, what you're doing, a little a little uh, intro. My name is Claire. Um, I am currently in school to be a holistic nutritionist as well as a certified personal trainer. I did uh, used to work in the medical field. I was an ER tech among other things, but then I got very sick and a holistic nutrition as well as like physical therapy and working out um, really helped me get better. So I am in school to help other women who have suffered with chronic illnesses do the same thing without the help of doctors. Without the help of doctors? Well, okay, wait, I should rephrase that. What I mean is like when doctors like gaslight everyone. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear about that because you mentioned like getting sick and that kind of all started in college-ish with like some things that have been happening. So there's like some chronic illness going on, right? So that's like, so how did we go from we're in EMT class, we're going to be a doctor to like, oh shit, I actually have all of this other stuff going on. Um, In college, I started getting really sick. Um, I had to get two surgeries on my skull because I had arteries wrapped around nerves and it was causing really bad migraines. I got diagnosed with hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is very commonly like not diagnosed, but people have it. It's a genetic disorder. And one of the very common things is um, being very easily injured growing up. And I always was. And like soccer injuries, left and right. I've torn my MCL, um, meniscus, my shoulder. Like I've torn Uh, up so much of my body. I've gotten so many concussions. Then they kind of told me to stop playing soccer because of it. Um, So between that and the surgeries, I was like a frequent flyer in the hospital. And I was also just like not in the best place mentally at this time. And just, it was all, my 20s were really just honestly a nightmare. Same. So, okay. So then, so what happened? Like, so you're in and out of the hospital. So how how are things now with like the sickness part of everything with like the inflammation and all of that, the migraines? Yeah. So I the migraines did get better with the surgeries. I literally got like I have a scar up the back of my like neck and skull and on my eyelids. So like my body's pretty beat up at this point, but I'm like doing really well um, with all that stuff. I kind of had it pretty well managed around like 2019. And then that is when everything kind of went south, like in all parts of my life. Um, But I was diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome, which is the most painful disease known to exist. And it really like, it really is. Yeah, it's there's this thing called the McGill pain scale. And I like I'm not a doctor, I do know medical things. But like, there's this thing called the McGill pain scale, and it has ratings of severity. Um, And complex regional pain syndrome is above natural childbirth. Wow. How do you live with that? (laughs) 
um you like don't really is what I would say I don't want to say that because like there's hope but it's miserable like it really I was on so much medication like I won't say the names but some pretty pretty strong medications to manage the pain and that alone has anxiety that comes with it so your life is a schedule of taking medications and making sure you're not going to be in pain and um it's literally, it's to the point where like, I could not wear a bra on that shoulder. Like a bra strap would hurt. Like anything would hurt. Literally anything would hurt. And that was just like, that was just something random that just like, obviously you had no idea it it was so going to happen. They don't know exactly how I think, at least to my knowledge, they don't know exactly how CRPS originates, but there's theories that it can start from like a virus, but they know for a fact it is like a response to physical trauma. And I did... Be- because of the hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, where you can dislocate joints very easily, I got a really bad um, shoulder injury in soccer in high school. And I got surgery then. And with CRPS, when you get it, you don't get better, you just get worse. And it's pretty much like you get the pain of surgery and it doesn't get better. It only continues to get worse and worse. So like, it just kept going and going. And I was like, what? why am I not getting better? And to the point where like, my whole entire right arm was like swollen and red and stuff um but then it also can be caused by like how i said viruses and i did have mono in college so they thought maybe that could have done something so it's not really like i'm not sure exactly why i am the chosen one but i (laughs) i got lucky oh yeah you got i mean but okay but out of all of this though like i think this is such a niche area too because i really think that there's so many people like even I've come across people in this work that have these same uh, issues or like situations and diagnoses and they have a really hard time getting help with like eating disorders because they're like what's an eating disorder what's not an eating disorder nobody in the eating disorder world even understands what's happening right now so like they can't even help me they just say don't be scared of carbs eat them and that's like not even possible for me so that also gets like kind of wrapped up into this too right so where does the like eating part come in absolutely does um I Actually, I would say with eating and with all of the other diagnoses, all of them are really things that doctors aren't used to dealing with. Like, not that they can't be, and I'm not saying every doctor is not educated on these things, but people are used to treating, like, I'm trying to think of a general chronic pain syndrome compared to anorexia, Um, like fibromyalgia or something. I'm not sure. But, like, general common disorders, those are treated much differently in the medical community. And with CRPS, I have to educate doctors on it. And I also developed ARFID while dealing with all of this. And that's another thing that I just have to educate doctors on constantly. And still to this day, honestly, with that one. Um, and uh, Which is like crazy. So for I think most people listening probably know, but ARFID is different. It's an eating disorder. I think it's in the DSM-5 now. I think, it, um, I think it's been for a few years, but it's like newer. Yeah, it's newer. And I so basically like the fact that most doctors you have to explain anorexia to because they know obviously they know, but not everybody unless they're specialized in it, like knows really much about it. Um, So then you bring an ARFID and it's like, what? And I mean, you tell me, but my understanding from like the clients that I've had with ARFID is basically like not it really has nothing to do with body image or like self-worth or anything like that it can be though triggered by trauma so it can kind of have like the same type of triggers but it's more that you're just afraid to eat 
anything. Like the thought of eating is like yeah. really, really challenging and hard. So I know it like manifests in different ways with different people about like, like I know emetophobia and, or the fear of throwing up and the fear of like choking are also like common sort of fears um, around with associated with ARFID. And, um, but in my case, it's more of like a sensory thing. Like when I was, I think I was actually just talking about this with my mom, like the other day, I think I was like five or six and I literally spit out meat because I didn't like how it tasted or like the texture, I think. And at the time they were like, oh, she's quirky. And now it's like, oh no, she has ARFID. Like they just thought I was like the weird picky kid, honestly, most of my life. The other thing I would say in my case, I also do have ADHD. So like, I just want to run around constantly and not take time to take breaks for myself in life in general, but like with eating too, like I would much rather just go run to the gym or like go play with my dog than or do like anything that I find fun really than eat. But so do I you find to- like physical? Okay. Cause same in like all eating disorders, but I don't know if it's that. I think it's, it depends on the mental state, but like, how do you, I mean, do you get the same kind of, or in the past, have you gotten the same kind of like symptoms as somebody who was just not eating on purpose quote unquote would get you know like lightheaded and feeling dizzy and not having enough energy I would say to a degree yeah but I think that it just affects me very differently and I would honestly like love to hear from someone who's experienced more of a body image based eating disorder the difference because like I get more worried that I have not eaten enough and like I'm like oh Uh, I will try to add as much nutrition to like anything I can to like, just really get, like, I want to be big and strong. So I'm like, you need to eat, (laughs) like you need to eat. And I do sometimes like I'll get, like, I didn't have refeeding syndrome, but I had low, some levels were like a little sketchy. So I was told like not to go to the gym much because I was getting like a little dizzy and stuff. But I also like, it's with my case, it's very hard to tell because Ehlers-Danlos like dysautonomia, um, which is like pretty much dizziness and heart rate spiking issues is a symptom. So like, it's very hard for me to tell if the way that I feel like, I don't want to be like health anxiety ish, you know, like, I don't want to be like, oh, this little thing is mm-hmm. eating disorder when it could be my allergies. See, that's really hard though. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> I so I, I have not ever personally experienced having like coexisting I mean, there's been coexisting mental illnesses, but not physical. And so that's confusing because it's like, where do I go from here? What actually makes it better? So I guess, so the ARFID stuff started around, you said like 2019-ish? Yeah. Looking back, I absolutely had very clear ARFID symptoms. Like in middle school, I would carry Pepto-Bismol in my purse (laughs) and I would eat like 10 foods only. Hmm. Now I'm like how did they not realize yeah. that not the same as anorexia? Like they thought I had, they falsely diagnosed me with anorexia. And I under, I'm not saying that's on anyone, honestly, because they didn't know uh, ARFID at yeah. the time. Never they were just like, she's not eating. Yeah, they're like, she has an eating disorder. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't think I'm like overweight. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're not like, you're not trying to manipulate your body. But that's the thing about eating disorders is that that's one tiny yeah. thing about them. It's like barely the surface like and and there's the whole like what's the otherwise not specified yeah like eating disorders uh ednos or whatever yeah there's there's so many that people don't it's not all about like 
it's not all the exact same. Everyone's unique. Right. So this brings me to my next point. In 2019, when all of this started happening, you did get treatment for an eating disorder, right? Like you I tried? Did. I did. I went to um, a treatment center in Boston, a pretty well-known one. And it was interestingly, and now I realize why, two weeks after I got married um, and I went there. I also was diagnosed with CRPS that year. So I went there out of desperation because I was at that point, I really was underweight and like not medically. Not okay. well. yeah, yeah. Like I needed treatment and I was just like in the ER constantly. And like, it was, it was just not good. Um, but so I went in and I was like terrified to go in like, like inpatient treatment, obviously. Like I never have it like a locked, I was like, Ugh. But, um, and it honestly, it was not the best experience for me because of my niche eating disorder and other illnesses, they really weren't the kindest to me. Um, I was yeah. in a lot of pain and they pretty much were like, well, other people need to be here more than you. You need to go deal with your pain. And I was like, okay, but like my pain, I, I literally, I said to them, I remember saying to the nurse, okay, but pain is not going to kill me. An eating disorder could. And she walked out and then they were like, okay, we're discharging you. It's like, okay. Oh, so they were like, yeah, no, you, you you don't, this isn't for you. Yeah. They were like, yeah, no, this other people need to be here more. This isn't for you. Bye. Oh my God. (laughs) You go to treatment and it's like three meals, three snacks groups. And a lot of that is based around body image, like self-worth, other stuff, DBT, which like, I think those things can be helpful for everyone in, in a, some way. But then when you bring in yeah. like all of this, this is where it gets so hard. And I've had, I, I'm thinking about this specific person in mind right now. Like it gets so hard when you have all of these other medical conditions that were prior to the eating disorder. So like, it's like what came first, who knows, but all of the medical stuff isn't necessarily directly tied to like your ARFID. And I think because ARFID isn't very well understood it's just like, no, you still have to follow the same protocol. It doesn't matter. And, you yeah. know, if you're saying that like eating bread is hurting you because, you know, you're, you you have like an allergy to gluten. Well, you're just saying that because you don't want to eat the bread. But it's like. Yeah, exactly. And with with ARFID too, like there's safe foods, like there's specific foods that I'm significantly more likely to eat. So being in a treatment center where they're not giving you. Like, it's not about the calorie content or the nutritional content of food for me. It's about, like, the textures of it and the smell and, like, all of that kind of stuff. So being in a center where you're only offered specific foods that aren't the best, most appealing, and in my opinion, at least in that case, um, I didn't go to, like, one of the big, big, very, like, expensive ones. Um, But it's not for our fit. It's really, it really didn't feel like it was there. Yeah. Well, so... Again, I'm none. I'm not the ARFID, uh, ARFID expert over here, but like I had a girl who was younger and she has had ARFID for pro- honestly similar to what you're describing when you were younger. I think her parents just like knew something, like they had yeah. known somebody else that had it or whatever. So they caught on to it. More well known now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she and like one of her safe foods was hot Cheetos. And like, like it wasn't it's different because a lot of and not always but a lot of times with other eating disorders it's like safe foods are vegetables and like for honestly in a lot of ARFID cases those types of things have weird te- 
textures. So like not yeah. necessarily. So then, yeah, so that kind of makes it uh, makes it hard a treatment. And the best thing that I've ever seen, and again, I think that there's like a lot of work being done on how to better treat this has been exposure work, but not to the extent of like yeah. every single meal and snack you're eating is going to be super hard because yes, every single meal and snack is super hard for anybody in treatment. But when it's like, when it's like you are just in general scared of like putting food in your mouth, it's like, I feel like that almost needs to be more of like a one-on-one situation rather than like sitting at the table. Yeah. It's, it's completely different. Like also distractions are very helpful for me. And I'm pretty sure from my understanding that other eating disorders, you want to be more like mindfully eating. Right. right. Like I need to be focusing on something else or I like won't eat. (laughs) Right. Cause then you're just in your head and you're thinking working on, but like it's, they can like distractions can be extremely helpful for someone with ARFID. Do you, have you ever had any sort of other like OCD or anything like diagnosed like that, or just maybe even tendencies? Cause I, the reason I'm asking is because not always, but a lot of times ARFID and OCD kind of like are besties. So I haven't actually, cause I wouldn't, I'm trying to think if I have obsessive tendencies. I would say I'm like a bit of a perfectionist, but not if like my mom hears this, she'd be like, no, you're not. Um, but <laughs> in some ways I'm like very, like I like things a certain way. I definitely don't have like an obsessive diagnosis. I have like anxiety, like generalized anxiety disorder. And ADHD. And ADHD yeah, and, and OCD ADHD. are different. Yeah. Like all of these OCD, ADHD, eating disorders, like they're all kind of, <laughs> I don't know, similar-ish in a way. You know, for you, it might not be like the OCD. It could be ADHD. And for me too, like I still to this day, Every like every single psychiatrist I have tells me, no, you have OCD. No, you have OCD. It's not ADHD. It's not ADHD. But I'm like, th- but the symptoms are so similar that like, how are you making that? How are you yeah. making that decision? So Honestly, that I've can learned, be hard. I've learned at this point that like the diagnosis isn't always that important. I mean, it is. It absolutely is sometimes. But like, there's also so many little like I probably have a bunch of diagnoses that I don't know about, you know? Yeah, like little, yeah. little things that you're like, like, could I have OCD? Maybe, but like, I definitely don't have, like, I know some people really, really struggle with it and like to like function and have to like do yeah. specific things to function. Like, I'm definitely not like that, but like, who knows? <laughs> also, it doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter. Like, why do you necessarily need to know? It's just how do you, what are the things that help you live your life in a healthy yeah. way and in a way that is not like super distressing at all times? Yeah. Like obviously sometimes like in my case, especially with the ARFID, like the diagnosis was very important, but like, you know, there's certain things that it's like, if it's not, yeah, who even knows. So what did you do when they were like, bye, you're out of treatment? <laughs> um, I had so many other things going on in my life that I think I just kind of focused on those <laughs> and I kind of just forced myself to eat. And I think that kind of scared me out of wanting to be back in treatment and made me eat. Cause when I know that that is very not common with eating disorders, but with ARFID, like the fear of being locked somewhere and only offered food that I didn't like compared to like being comfortable at home and eating my safe foods was like 10 times better. Did you ever see a therapist or like an exposure therapist or anything and work on the foods? Like how have you been able to add things back in? Yeah, I do now. Um, I think that was like an acute, anytime anything crazy has happened in my life, um, my RFID flares up. And I would say that, was more of a like subconscious 
Other times that it's happened, it's lasted longer. And that time, I'm not sure why. I, I My only theory is that the inpatient center scared me enough to like force me to eat. Yeah. Was it weird to be around a bunch of other girls who also had eating disorders, but they were like different? Like, is that? Um, I don't know. At the time, no, because I didn't know I had ARFID. Oh, at this time, you still thought that it was anorexia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I only was diagnosed in like two years ago, I think. Three. That's even worse because then they're like, oh, hi, you have anorexia. You need to go to this treatment center. And then they're like, actually, this treatment center isn't for you. But they like don't tell you. And then you're just like, okay, so something's wrong with me. (laughs) Like, I definitely could tell that things were different. Like there were people that were really like just picking apart their bodies and you know, like the typical things. And that was actually, I remember learning things. I did not know that people had like bad body image days until then. Mm. So, and for me, that wasn't triggering, but like, I, I, I think it probably could be for people with our, like with ARFID that don't even think that. Cause there were literally things I had never thought of that I was like, wait, people worry about that? Like what? Yeah. Oh my God. No, that's like like... very carefree, like person. Yeah. But so, I mean, think about it. If you had been there for like months, can you, I could could see things like, yeah. Could you see things like, yeah. Isn't that so interesting too? So a lot of ARFID like sometimes can turn into it because you, regardless, like the same things are happening to your body. So if you're not eating enough, you're losing weight and that can become like a fixation, even if that wasn't the intention. Yeah. And sure. so that is like, we got to figure this out. You got to get, you, oh, this is what you can do. You got to get your, uh, when you get all of your like certs and everything that you need, you should like honestly do something with ARFID because nobody's really doing anything with it. And I feel like that whole like subgroup of people needs a totally different kind of treatment that's like not available right now. Honestly, like I would absolutely consider it. Help me. <laughs> I'm like, this is your life plan. You're going to start but a program. The one, thing, the one thing is I like, I do have the health background, but I'm going to be a holistic nutritionist, not like an RDN. Yeah. So like, not like clinical. <laughs> yeah. But even still, I mean, you know, no, I know what you're talking about, but like, I'm just saying like, I'm not because there, because with ARFID too, there is um like malnourishment concerns in different ways because if you're eating, like you said, your client was, their safe food was hot Cheetos. Hot Cheetos. Yeah. The kid is only eating hot Cheetos. Like they're not going to get what they need, you know? Right. They're so, not getting the nutrients. And that actually, I actually experienced this very recently with my doctor was like, your weight is fine. So you're fine. Which, and also to me, that was not triggering at all, but I don't think she should say that to anyone. <laughs> No, that's like, I mean, um, I guarantee that 90% of the people listening that's have heard have heard that at some point, even if it's yeah. like clearly not okay, somebody, somebody will be like, it's not that bad. But then on top of that, like with ARFID, you really need to look for like, what is it that this person is not consuming? What is their fear food? Is that something that is vital to their health? Like, right. And like where, like what's going on? Like, is it the texture? Is it that you're scared you're going to choke? Kind of like what you said. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's so different. It's the treatment is different. The like, it's, it's very different. It's super individualized. I mean, I would argue to say that every single eating disorder treatment is individualized, but you know, absolutely. this is like a whole nother topic. Yeah. Um, Story of my life. <laughs> so how are, okay. So right now you're still working on like exposures and stuff and you're kind of still yeah. working through it. I do see like a therapist 
love her. She's the best. Um, And I see a nutritionist too, just to make sure I'm like eating enough. And they're amazing. So that's really helpful for me. It's just so much more helpful for me with ARFID to have like individualized outpatient treatment. Yeah. Um, Anytime it's gotten bad, that is what's helped me for ARFID. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, But I mean, it's still hard, but I am working on like exposure because I am vegan, but well, not anymore technically, but um, I'm not against eating meat. Like it has nothing to do with that. It literally is just like a mental block for me. My goal is to get over that because I do eat like pro- like plant protein and everything, but it would be so much easier to just be like, let me throw a piece of chicken on this salad. Um, right. Whatever it is. Like I only say salad because I have a gluten allergy. So like, I can't say like a chicken sandwich or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm working on that. I started eating eggs recently and yeah, and I actually had a few bites of a salmon burger last night. Okay. So like we're getting places. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I find to be helpful with that too is like, so let's say that you like eggs. Okay. So com- repeating eggs, like instead of just doing it once and then never eating eggs again, it's like, no, I'm going to try to fit this in a couple times this week for breakfast or whatever it might be. And then it becomes a safe food, which is kind of the same with anorexia, but like in a different way because you're scared of the calories. But then when you eat the calories, you're like, oh, yeah, nothing terrible happened to me. I can continue eating it. Same thing yeah. in this situation. Right. So, yeah, it's it's just it's so interesting. And I can't believe like when I tell you guys that we have literally not talked in 12 years, like I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like she I literally just we were just talking on TikTok and I was like, wait, stop. This is so weird. It's so similar. Like, it's just really weird how people like how we were like, yeah, okay, we're going to do this. I mean, I was 19 maybe and you were like 18. Like, I didn't know. I literally knew nothing about anything, but I thought I knew everything. And I was like totally in that class that we knew everything, too. Yeah, like we, we were like, yeah. we we're like, we're pre-med. <laughs> like, yeah, literally, I, we, you were a like, freshman. You're like, I'm pre-med. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Except that literally <laughs> that summer. No, that was the ne- that was the summer after I had just transferred because my freshman year, I was like, not good. And oh, like, same. so I wasn't even taking, I don't even know what I did freshman year. Like I probably took, like somehow I finished freshman year, but I took like like, I don't even know sociology. I was taking the most random <laughs> things ever. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm pre-med. <laughs> like, girl, no. But <laughs> anyways, so we went from there to both developing different kinds of eating disorders. And you had this whole like medical thing going on, which is crazy. And somehow within that, we both got married in terrible relationships. So I don't know like what happened to us or why we're like this. But <laughs> just yeah. so- in New Hampshire. <laughs> Right, New Hampshire. They're do- we're doing well. Um, you said before that you went to treatment two weeks after getting married. So, like, what was going on there? Eloping too. Just, just oh god. Like- okay, so yeah, give me, give me like a little. I actually don't know this story. Like, I don't know. So, yeah. so let's hear it. Yeah. So I was like, like I already mentioned, like I was just not in a good place. Like I was toxic, honestly, like myself. So, like in hindsight, that's absolutely why I fell for this. Um, but. I absolutely got love bombed. Um, and yeah, basically fell for some things that I should not have, but was so like vulnerable that how could I not have? And um, while dealing with all of those medical issues, I was being gaslit about the whole thing. 
about the medical stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah. CRPS is very commonly, there's actually a documentary that just came out. Um, I made a post about it because it's wild because it's very common with CRPS. Like it's an invisible illness. So doctors are like, there's no, and there's not very good evidence, like MRI, like normal diagnostic imaging, anything like that. It doesn't really show up. You have to get very extensive, weird testing. Like I had to have a needle shoved, like it was like a six inch needle in my neck and started from the front into my spine to like see if my nerve reacted properly to it. That is the diagnostic testing. And the doctor didn't even want to do that because he said I seemed too anxious and couldn't handle it. Like oh. my father had to literally convince him and be like, yeah, no, we need this to happen. So like, let's do it. So my ex also didn't believe me. I mean, I was diagnosed with it and then he still didn't believe me though. When I was in the hospital one time, I had to get um, my gallbladder out and I had some like bad reaction to it and my digestive system basically shut down. So I was like in a lot of pain and I had no idea why. And it was like right over the incision site. So mm-hmm. I had to call the ambulance myself. I ended up spending two weeks in the hospital and um, he when I got home said that I was selfish for (laughs) spending time in the hospital Uh, Um, having nurses wait on me hand and foot while he had to take care of everything at home oh yeah that's the classic (laughs) the classic like you should be the one taking care of everything not them like why would they do that yeah it's your job I I make money I make money so you oh my god yes (laughs) you should make money and you do everything I want you to do yeah if if you're not like (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ugh. But yeah, that among like just normal, like, I mean, he's a very troubled person and took that out on me. Um, I don't want to like say too much. Yeah. About, yeah. 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 But, like, there were some other things going on that very much so affected me because he could not deal with them. The stress yeah. of it overall did not help my health at all. And my eating disorder absolutely became a way to like hope. Like I was looking, I was thinking back, honestly, before we talked about this, I wanted to like think about it. And I was like, I felt like I had so much control over like food at that time. Like I had a schedule I would follow to eat by. And this is all just because of RFID. Like this is just kind of how Mm -hmm. you, like, I'm not recommending that most people follow eating schedule. Um, (laughs) But like, I had like my like meals planned, like my safe foods. Like I would eat the same thing every day. Uh And at the same time. And I was like, I'm in control. So I have a question about that. Did he ever say anything when you were eating the same things over and over? Like, was he ever like, hmm, what's happening here? Like, that might not be good. For sure. He did? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember, so for me, like in my relationship, which was like kind of similar, not the same, but similar, I was like clearly not okay. Like, (laughs) obviously, for obvious reasons. And it was pretty apparent and they he never said anything to me like sometimes I would ask and say like hey do you think this is a problem and he would be like eh I don't know maybe not but like maybe just eat some more things like it's fine which in hindsight like it's not his fault like that's not his fault what is he's he's not like the eating disorder police if you love someone you should probably like notice that something's like wrong yeah right (laughs) like I mean I don't I wouldn't say like my ex definitely knew what was going on, but like he w- he didn't educate himself on it. Also, like there were other people in his life that were like, "This isn't real." <laughs> mm-hmm. Won't mention who, but like he didn't. He had some people telling him that I was faking everything, basically that were very close to him. So like I don't know if he even believed I ever had an eating disorder or if I was just like, yeah, 
difficult to deal with because that's pretty much how he saw all of it like the health issue like it was just and then also like you're married now right yeah yeah and thinking about isn't it isn't it crazy to think about like when you're with your ex how they saw your eating and how they affected it versus like being with someone you actually (laughs) want to be with yeah oh yeah I mean well because I mean, Tyler's like too hypervigilant because he also has had like he's had so much experience now with all the people that I work with. And so if he like he's literally on some cases become like coach number two. So now I feel like if anything, it's more annoying because if one day I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this salad for lunch instead of like pizza. If he's eating pizza, he's like Shelby. what's happening i'm like no i like literally just want a salad so i feel like he's like super hyper hyper vigilant on it now but i i think the only reason for that is because he sees like you know people that are struggling um so it's like the total opposite uh i also think that before in my previous relationship that being super small and like not necessarily in a healthy body was almost preferred so I think that also wasn't helping the case oh, wow. because, yeah, because it was like, I don't really think that he wow. wanted it to change. Oh, wow. I don't. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so like, and not that Same. I just I don't, want to <laughs> nothing was ever like said, like it wasn't like nothing was ever necessarily. No, but like, you said. know. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's that just like so mad. Well, it's like. You said, I think people react, people act how they, how they know how to. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I'm sure they're not terrible people. However, that's also not an excuse to just be like, it's like hurting other people that are like, your trauma is not an excuse to treat me poorly. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you, like, I understand it and let's work through it. But yeah, like, bro, you can't just be like, this is just not going to (laughs) work. Like, I'm not saying my ex didn't have some very valid issues, but, like, that's not on me. Right. So how'd you leave? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, girl. Wait, wait, wait. Did you, like, escape? Yeah. Me too? <laughs> um, I literally had my friends come in a U-Haul, and I was planning this secretly for, like, six months because I was sick and I wasn't working. Yeah. Like, I had to like, save up money and, like, figure it out. And... Um, and I luckily like when <laughs> luckily got myself healthy enough to do that. Um, but yeah, so I had my friends come to U-Haul when he was at work. Um, I told him I was going to stay. It was like my friend's baby shower or something. Cause she was pregnant and I was like, that works. Um, so he thought I was just like going away for the weekend because I figured he would notice if I was like packing some things. Yeah. I used that as my decoy and I left while he was at work and um, texted him. Oh, what'd you say? (laughs) Well, um, I had actually found that he was cheating too. Okay. Okay. That he wasn't cheating, but like, I don't know. But honestly, it was... It was great for me though, because I had an excuse. So like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna like, say that's like that comes in clutch. You're like, no, yeah. here's why bye. Yeah. Yeah. And like I I found that and I was like, so I know you've been cheating, like I need some space, blah, blah. And he didn't react that badly at the time, honestly. And then he was like, Wait, do you mean you want a divorce? Like, what do you want? And at that point, since he didn't react that badly, I was like, let's just go for it. <laughs> and 
I was just like, yeah, um, I'm not coming back. Actually, when you get home, all of my things are gone. <laughs> um, so oh my gosh. Then he like wasn't the happiest. But yeah, that's that's how I snuck out and never looked back. Took my dog and oh my was- god, it's so funny because it's the same, <laughs> like not the exact same situation, but I have like guilt towards this. I think, and I like kind of feel bad because this was really not the way to go. But also, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do it without. Don't know what stopped. to do. Yeah. And also not just not knowing what to do because so like I kind of the same thing. I was like, I need to go home for space. And I, and I took some, and I took the dog and like whatever. And then was like, just kidding. I'm actually never. (laughs) And you know, I'm not saying that's like my best move ever. It's definitely not, but like, I just genuinely, well, first of all, I was way too young to be married. People, and I know that people are going to be like, well, I got married really young and it was good. And I believe that. But also Shelby should have time. not been engaged yeah. at 22. Like no, she I had, should, I should not have engaged, been engaged at 26. Honestly, She was like unwell. Like we, we yeah. think that was not a good idea. And so <laughs> like everyone's different. Yeah. So it's like, I just think that there were so many things that like set it up for not having success but yeah, yeah that's crazy to me that you just like <laughs> and you took the dog <laughs> yeah uh, that was all I cared about all I cared about was my dog I was like I don't need the house I don't need don't need the furniture don't need any wedding yeah. gifts don't need anything like no, don't need anything I didn't even take the ring initially I mean he did send it to me to sell because he didn't care isn't that the other thing that's interesting oh oh did he start dating right after no, he, no. he didn't. I mean, okay. He, well, no, actually, I believe he was seeing that girl, but then I let her know why I left. Ah. Uh, so I don't think he is. I don't know really what he's doing. I do know yeah. he's not in the best place, but so I'm assuming he's not dating, but I don't know. It's more the like, poor me. Ah, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, it's a little like he's that that type of. Yeah, got you. So let's come back to today. So <laughs> you're you're pretty. I mean, you're doing really well, like comparatively, and like I, with all the yeah. things that happened. I feel like I've got some good vibes coming for you. Like Honestly. I think you. I feel like things are gonna go well. So what do you want to do next once everything falls into place? Like, what's the ultimate goal? Um, I mean, I really want to help women with chronic illnesses who don't have like options and who doctors are not believing or like they're just giving them a pill and being like well you have like cramps like take this and not looking at the root causes yeah so that and then I'm also getting my personal training certification which I'm actually gonna get sooner because it's just like a quicker course obviously yeah like I'm fully aware that people can see fitness as a negative like it can be negative. Like it can be, like you said, an exercise addiction, but I really like, I love just being strong and lifting heavy weights. And that's also helps my RFID. Cause I'm like, I need to eat a big lunch or I'm can't deadlift later. Like, right. Um, there's so many, I think there's a lot of benefits of, of certain types of exercise and recovery, depending yeah. on like where you are in recovery. But I a hundred have always, yeah, I've always thought that. Yeah. Like, there's so many things. I, I feel like women and fitness is kind of like, it can be a really toxic industry. <laughs> like it really can. Like I know you did cheerleading and stuff, but I did competitive soccer like my entire life and and I loved it and I wouldn't change it. But like you're trained very aggressively. You're really hurting your body. Like yeah, I- Yeah, like they're just like, I don't care. You have yeah. a broken leg, like mm, too bad. Like I literally, I was just telling the guy I'm dating this the other day. I was like, yeah, um, 
senior year of high school, I hurt my knee really bad during playoffs, but I wanted to still play in college. So I didn't tell anyone. So I just kept playing. And he was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah so ugh. I really just want to try to make it like a positive, healthy. I think that I have a personality of a spin instructor. So like, I really want to do that first. Um, my God, it's so fun. Right. Like, it just seems like the best time. Like, I just, I need to. You literally just get to like spew out random shit and like. Yeah. And just be like. I don't know. I feel like I'm in a performance and make the playlist. And then I'm just like so down. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing really left of my fitness profession except that. And I do that like three times a week. And it's literally just because I need my fix of like being the center of attention. And also just like, and also just like, I don't know. I mean, I've been to so many spin classes where it's like, this is becoming less and less, but it used to be like summer's coming, but how are you going to look in your bathing suit? And it's just like, that is just not the vibe that we so, like, to, like get us five more to burn off that margarita you had last night. Like, no, yeah, no, like, like I really just want to make fitness like a fun, healthy space for women. Cause also like, what's, okay. This is a little story from the other day that broke my heart. Like I am aware that in the gym, like I, I, I do know what I'm doing and I wear my little like bright sets, like, and I'm very comfortable and, but that's just how I am, like my personality. Like I just don't care about anything ever. Um, but then I see these girls who are like, like there was this girl the other day, and I could tell she was so uncomfortable. She was walking around trying to figure out the machines, and she was watching me. And I was like, I hope she's not looking at me, thinking like that gym bitch. Like, and like when I really like in my head want to be like, do you need help? Do you want me to show you how that works? Like, oh, instead of being like judgy. Yeah, like I am not judgy. Yeah. Like, like, I'm sure there are gym girls who are like, whatever, but. Oh, girl, you, if you come to Los Angeles, I will literally, oh, the place that I work is so funny. Like, it's actually, like, it's actually comical because it's downtown LA and oh, it's like this super bougie type, like, club vibes gym. And I love it because it's super fun and, like, yeah. interesting. When I tell you that everybody's carrying around a tripod, like, everyone's carrying around a tripod <laughs> and they're wearing, like, they're, and, like, no. I don't really care. I'm not like judging them. I literally yeah. don't care. I used to do the same shit, but like, I just think it's so funny that it's funny. that's like a, that's like a serious thing. Like that's, this is like a, a, a thing. So yeah, I understand when you're like wearing your cute little outfit and you're like looking over at someone, they're probably like, oh yeah, okay. She's judging me, but it's like, no, I'm actually not. Yeah. No, I, I literally just like wanted to go up to that girl and be like, do you need me to help you? And like, I do that with like some of my friends already, like who are like, I want to get in shape. I'm like, okay, just like come with me and like do what I do. I think it's also, it's just, I think it can be so fun. And like, I think the gym is just like a playground, honestly. Like I could stay there for hours, just jumping around and like swinging on bars. And (laughs) I just, I think it's like such a fun time. Like I just, I think it's so important too to like, the issue when you have a bad relationship with it to try to like rebuild it to a good relationship is really hard. So something that I think is really important and cool is like to establish a healthy relationship with it from the start instead of like starting to go with the toxic personal trainer who's telling you like you need to work out 17 million times a day and only eat egg whites. And then obviously that's going to like make that's going to create problems. Um, Yeah, yeah, I, I Don't even get me started on those people. Like a whole, I literally could do like a whole podcast on just exercise with like eating disorders and oh, that's so much. Especially not being licensed yet and like working in the industry. And I like, well, hear people say something sometimes, not at my work. I would never, my boss is amazing. But like, you know, I'll hear something. I'll be like, wait, why are you recommending that to someone? 
Like, no. Right. And like the little things, like you would be surprised that can be a little trigger into something that is much deeper, like something that they're like, okay, now I'm going to like, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to do it. And then it becomes an obsession. And it's just like, guys, so we need a lot. We need a lot more there. I will say too, it probably depends where you are. I think instructors are getting better like on that type of thing. But again, I think it depends where you are. I think there's a big movement for like being like healthy over like looking healthy, you know? Yeah. Like actually having energy instead of just yeah. I know you had like a legitimate exercise addiction, but like even when I was younger, I was like cardio, elliptical, restrict calories. Cause like, that's just what you think when you're like in that, I don't know, like, you know, when you're like in your early twenties, everyone's just like trying to be skinny, especially like 10 years ago, like the culture was different. Yeah. <laughs> and like the college. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know it's still a huge thing in college oh, right no, it's still, like, like absolutely so I, I would also we're both in our 30s now so like that might be why I'm saying 10 years ago but um <laughs> so crazy to say but yeah like now I'm just I love setting personal records like in the gym so well, I, for I'm, you like, it's like it's not like wow I'm gonna go burn this off it's like oh no. shit I actually need to eat a lot because I want to go do that instead in of fact, like I do the opposite oh my god I just ate and I need to go get it off I will look at my, I have to check my watch and be like, oh, that's a little too much. Like you need to go. <laughs> yeah. So for you, it's like, it's like helpful, which is yeah, so, it really is. which is so important. And I think like all of these things need to be included in all of the in treatment and all different kinds and like the medical piece. And I think a lot of times that is just dismissed because it's dismissed as like, no, that's just your eating disorder. And yeah, I mean, obviously, like, or that's just your illness. You don't have an eating disorder, like, yeah, you and like things. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure in my day, did I say something like, "Oh no, my stomach just hurts. I don't want to eat." Like, nah. but I yeah. was never like, um, I think my organs are wrapped around my like, <laughs> like that's a, I don't know. It's just like, guys, yeah, like I literally have an intestinal blockage. That's why I can't eat. <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> Yeah. I was actually tested for, ga- they literally thought I had gastroparesis, which is like your stomach stops digesting food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you just like, you have RFID. Yeah. And that's, well, that can happen you too. Really this is, you have both things. It's also really confusing because like that can also happen from restricting food for a long time. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's just, it's just a lot. So it's a lot more complicated than we all make it seem like it's just like no, treatment done. Not, bye. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, you think this food will affect your body this way oh it won't you're good like no yeah no so much more than that but I thank you so much for for being here and after especially after not talking to me for 12 years I literally was like wait do you want to be in my podcast and she's probably like what the fuck (laughs) why no this is so fun I'm glad you asked no I think it's so fun and because too like I literally this isn't something like I know you really well and I already know all the stories like I'm hearing them for the first time and so it's really, it's really, really, really cool. And I'm glad that you're doing better. And, you know, I think you're going to do, I do, I'm not even just saying this to be like cheesy. I really think that you're going to do great things within this industry. Oh, thank you. That means so much. I really you're hope welcome. that I can, like, I really just want to help people. Like, I just want people to be healthy and happy. <laughs> yeah. And yourself. <laughs> and I, I really am. So that's why I think that I can like help other people get there too. Cause I went from yeah absolutely miserable to like the happiest i've ever been so and had to do really hard things to get there a lot of work to get there yeah so pretty confident that i can help other people do the same at some point yeah (laughs) just the license first (laughs) 
yeah, let's get the license and let's 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 go. Yeah. Let's hit, hit the yes. ground running. 